Hello and welcome to this one-off special of What the Denmark. We've missed you these past few months, but are pleased to be back talking about this fun and interesting topic. Our episode earlier this year, How to Date a Dane, was one of our most popular ever. If, since listening, you've been really applying yourself, then you'll be ready for today's episode, Danish weddings. Exactly, and Denmark has many special wedding traditions, something both Sam and I have experienced, separately, I should say, when we got married in Denmark. We're very excited to welcome two special guests to the show today. We're going to be speaking with Caroline Nuvang, a senior researcher at the Danish Royal Library, and Anna Askell, editor of the TV show Gift for First Blick, the original Married at First Sight, which has now been exported around the world. Anna, yes. Caroline. Hi. Welcome to you both. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Caroline, let's start with you. Can you talk a little bit about your work and how it relates to today's topic? Well, yes, I work at the Danish Royal Library. I'm a senior researcher and I work in the Department of Folklore Studies. Folklore. Yeah, so it basically means we have an archive that documents not the poets and special people, but everyday life of Danish people. And of course, we have uh, an archive documenting marriage traditions throughout time in Denmark as well. How far back does it go? It actually goes back to the 16th century, but we have most information pertaining to the 19th and the 20th century, obviously. Interesting, interesting. And uh, Anna, can you tell us a little bit, we'll use the English name, Married at First Sight. Yeah. People can maybe guess what the yeah. TV show is about, but can you sort of explain the concept? Yeah. Well, it's in the title, really. <laughs> so... The participants undergo this huge matching process and then they get matched up with the perfect match because they want to find the love of their life mm. and they show up at their own wedding but they don't know the person they're getting married to and they make the ultimate commitment from the get-go wow. and they get married. And then they undergo this dating experience for eight weeks Oh, wait, so they get married, they and, get married and then they, do the, then they do the dating. And then they date and then they move in together. And then they travel. They go on a honeymoon as well. Mm -hmm. And in the end, they have to choose if they want to stay married or get divorced. Amazing, huh? And I think this show, actually, it was a Danish show, but actually it's now all over the world, right? Yeah, yeah it got sold. So it's captured people's imaginations. Yeah, I think it's because... Getting married at first sight, it's the ultimate commitment, right? So it's a nice splash. It's a good way to start off a, yeah. a dating experience to make that ultimate oh, connection. Yeah. And w when did the show start? It's 10 years. Next year will be our 10th season. 10th season. Yeah. And why do you think it's Denmark where mm -hmm. it started? Maybe because here we can do stuff like that. And nobody gets really angry. <laughs> That's true. No, you, but I think you're onto because you're saying that after eight weeks, you can then annul the marriage or something. Yeah, so you get divorced. Actually, you get really married at Bordico and yeah. everything. <laughs> okay. And so I guess, yeah, maybe the fact that Denmark is a bit more mm, relaxed or yeah, it, yeah, it's not like this huge thing. Exactly. Yeah. But still, they do it in the States now and in UK. I think what's really interesting here is that uh, Denmark has an anti-marriage tradition over the last uh, decades where we actually stopped marrying each other. That became quite an old-fashioned thing to do. I think around the 60s, 70s, people didn't want to do that anymore. And now suddenly, actually, maybe we are longing for this. 
people want to make a commitment to each other, there's a lot of loneliness. So it's it's really interesting. It's coming from here. It's almost as if we were sort of at the forefront breaking away from wedding traditions. But are we also at the forefront finding them or searching back for them? You must know, Caroline. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And we have seen a sort of neo-romantic wave in the last 20 years. And I think the success of this particular TV show is a testament to that. And we see people tend to define themselves against the traditions of their parents and their parents denounced weddings in most of Denmark. We see sort of a cultural backlash now against that. So this is something I found a bit shocking is too strong, but just a bit like, oh, (laughs) different, is that a lot of people who were sort of in their 30s who had kids wouldn't be married or they'd get married when the kids were like five or six. Mm -hmm. And... Coming from England, which is a bit more linear, traditional, in terms of tra- traditional say, yeah, yeah, or bit, conservative. Yeah, it's mm. a bit more okay. You get engaged, you get married, you have kids, and then you know you get on with the rest of your life. And if you were to have kids without being married, it's like you're making a statement that we are against marriage, like we just don't believe in it. But the idea that you would have kids and then afterwards you're like, oh, do you know what? We'll we'll go get married now. I found that a bit strange. Yeah. It's this very open-minded approach in Denmark that you don't need to put a ring on someone's finger in order to commit to each other. Yeah, and for a long while you were married for practical reasons. Young people weren't able to get an apartment unless they were married. And to a woman it was important to be married to be financially secured. But now we tend to see that people marry out of sort of a a striving for self-realization, actually. Mm. And it doesn't really matter whether you get married at 25 or 35, which is the norm now in Denmark. You still can do that and see it as a sign of you realizing yourself and and Mm -hmm. the potential of a partnership. Mm. So, Caroline, you were saying a lot of your uh, work has, has been looking at things in the sort of 1800s, 1900s. What did a typical marriage process, if you can call it, looked like back then? What was the sort of order to do things in? The interesting thing is, is that it's always been not as frowned upon in Denmark to have children out of wedlock. Hmm. Uh, even 200 years ago, as long as you were engaged, getting kids was totally normal and socially accepted. So this is nothing new. And I think it's it's also part of the explanation why we would still not tend to frown upon that. Hmm. But until the 1950s at least, most people would get married in order to secure themselves financially, as I mentioned, or for practical reasons otherwise. And I think uh, also taxation and inheritance rules play a really important part. I know that from my parents. My parents, they married when I was five. Mm. Mm. So I would actually, if you look at old-fashioned tradition, I could call myself a bastard. Because mm. that's what you'd be called if you're born out of wedlock, right? Yeah. Mm. And my brother was also at the wedding. So we were at their wedding and they decided to get married because of inheritance and taxation rules. Mm. So not particularly romantic. <laughs> they got married in the townhouse in their vicinity. And then that was dealt with. It's funny how often it is these these practical matters. Like for us, so we've actually had two weddings. So we, uh, my wife and I, we did the townhouse wedding. And then a year and a half later, we did the party. And more of the traditions were at the party. But doing the townhouse one was just to avoid the bureaucracy of me being a non-Dane and we were about to become parents and like having to go through the paperwork of I'm actually the dad of this child that's been born. Whereas if you are husband and wife, you're automatically parents. And it's like, 
great. <laughs> so maybe it's just this aversion to paperwork. I mean, there's obviously more to it, but there was definitely the practical elements underlying mm. it. And still many Danes get married when they buy a house or an apartment together, right? Exactly. We did it. We we paid the will, paid five thousand kroner or something. Mm-hmm. So if I die or <laughs> my husband dies, then we're financially secured. Mm-hmm. But then a couple of years later, we were like, no, but we really love each other and we need to get married. I want to say that, yes. So mm. there was just some, you know, yeah. icing on the cake, really. That, that was the order. You've got the foundation set and now this is the sort of yeah public celebration, should we say. Because at that time, I didn't find the marriage very like necessary. We had two children. That was the I mm. love you mm-hmm. <laughs> part. And I want to stay with you forever. Mm-hmm. So that tiny yes in the town hall, that wasn't a big deal. But then it became kind of a big deal because mm-hmm. we just figured out that we wanted to say that yes to each other. And I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because actually people find that when they then move into this marriage mode or they decide that they will go ahead, then they also decide to have a party because you could easily just go and then say yes to each other in the town hall quietly. But actually it does mean something. That's what I've heard anyways. But I'm actually curious about, since you said yes to each other through children first, normally in the films or abroad often, there's this moment where someone says, will you marry me? whether it's a woman or the man. And was that a moment like that for you guys? Was that, shall we have children? Or how how did that work then? <laughs> <laughs> the children, they just happened. There was never this huge question. But then when they were there, the question came. I think because now we could see all that love, you know. So we decided to get up there and make the commitment. And the party is great. Mm-hmm. in Denmark. The wedding the party, wedding party <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. 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 One thing we don't have in Denmark as much as they do in other countries is the very public engagement where you get down on your knees mm. and near the Statue of Liberty or during a football match or something. We don't like that. Why do you not like that? <laughs> I think we like to pick our place and time and then we within the the sort of uh, comfort or of our own house or our, our own party Mm. Uh, we feel more free to do that stuff and to show our love in our our own way, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a bit about Yendelon that we've talked about on this show before. I mean, you shouldn't think you're something. You shouldn't try to stand out. And by trying to take the full attention from a football match or whatever it might be, you break those rules and you break that etiquette. And I think we're molded so much based on Yendelon and based on that way of engaging with each other that actually we try to do the opposite. So I think many Danes would say the ultimate and most romantic situation to be asked, will you marry me, would be in an everyday situation, maybe where you get up and you look really ugly because then basically you know that this is real love. It's not doesn't have to be super romantic at a special restaurant or something like that where you look your best. No, it can also be married through the tough times, you know. How did your husband do on that? Well, that was basically in a very beautiful space, the cliffs of Dover, Mm -hmm. that he asked me to marry him. Okay. But I actually asked, I I asked him to marry me before that. (laughs) So so we did it twice. 
<laughs> so equal. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> but this time he had a ring for me, which was very nice. So we've, oh. we've not done it the traditional way. But it was just the two of you. It wasn't. It like, was only the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. So he would definitely not have liked the whole yeah. shebang of doing it in a very public place. And he probably knew me well enough that, that I would have yeah. been horrified. But, you know, you also hear about these fantastic places where people do it on an aeroplane in front of everyone. It's difficult because I can understand that depending on the culture you've been brought up in, you'll find different things exciting. And also it's like, I can see how you might interpret it as this is demonstrating an even greater love because I'm willing to do it in this sort of large place. But it also puts a lot of pressure on the other person. You're kind of obligated to say yes if you say no. Yeah, you've just ruined <laughs> everyone's, football, everyone's yeah. football game. They're like, oh, God. Exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you miss, this, you miss this step in the marriage process with your show. Yeah, we do. But you can say that, for example, the last season we had a couple stayed together and he asked her to marry him again. Hmm. We also did a podcast that airs every week and he proposed to her in the podcast, hmm. which is... That's good. Yeah. And if she Such says no, if beautiful she, moment. And if she says no, you can edit it exactly, out. Exactly, and that would yeah. be awful <laughs> if yeah. she did. Uh, yeah. So ho- <laughs> luckily she, she <laughs> yeah. said yes. And that was a surprise to her. She wasn't expecting it. No, she wasn't. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Oh, you oh, should listen so to it. It yeah. was so cute and it was very American actually yeah. <laughs> yeah. but the American can be fun particularly for the yeah. rest of us as well who get to share the moment because exactly. as much yeah. as it might not be something you know we'd find comfortable then actually it is it's beautiful to be be allowed into that romance yes it's like we Danes we don't like it to be so glossy and oh I love you and you're the love of my life but we still kind of want it so when it happens <laughs> It's beautiful. Yeah. And for the same reason, we wanted to keep the fairy tale weddings in Married at First Sight, even though it's in the town hall. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be a beautiful dress and a beautiful party and beautiful flowers because it gives you such a great feeling to watch and indulge in the whole princess fairy tale. And the success of the show really shows that actually people, they really want to watch this. They want to be allowed into this romance. Yeah, I think they want to take part in the conversations that comes out of the screen every year because really it's a show that relies on the whole concept of how do you make a love relation? How do you build that one when do you do it right when do you do it wrong and i think that we all want to talk about that and we want to learn from that all the time the marriage thing is just like a format thing that mm-hmm. that pulls you into the show but really the show is about building those love relations and all the human factors in there and i think that is why the viewers love it because mm-hmm. It's such a universal thing and everyone can identify with the themes in the show. And I think it's a good conversation starter about how we go about each other and how we manage our love life, Mm -hmm. really. And what's the main motivation for people appearing on the show? I would say the two main reasons are that they want to find the love of their life, that they haven't succeeded yet. They have to have a history of trying to find love for them to be really motivated mm-hmm. because it is a tough experiment being 
recorded all those weeks and we take a lot of care of them but you have to be motivated of course to mm -hmm. live with a stranger and i would say the other main reason is that they want to learn themselves they want to know themselves better and actually a lot of the participants or the cast if they don't marry in the end they always say that they've learned so much and i really believe them because they come out a different person mm -hmm. and they often find love actually after the show it's like they're ready mm. also because they get a lot of uh, therapy because we really want to help them so they know how to act when building a new love relation one thing as well just to know is i wear my wedding ring on my left fourth finger on my left hand. Is it not in Denmark you wear it on the right? It depends. In some parts of Denmark you have a tradition that you wear your engagement ring on your left finger and then you move it to mm. the right finger during yeah. the, the party if you still yeah. have the same ring. But we don't have a strong tradition for okay. engagement rings in Denmark. I don't know if you've had an engagement ring. I, I did, but my husband didn't. Uh, he yeah. doesn't have a ring, even after we got married. But what's it like in England? It's the opposite of what Caroline said. Mm. So you'd, if you were to have an engagement ring, you'd wear it on the right hand and then switch over to the left when you got married. But, but you're saying generally it's just like a bit, you know, people decide what they want. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not really too much of a, no. a thing. No, and, you do and, you. Yeah. You do you, and it's not frowned upon at all that you don't wear a ring after your wedding either. And why is that? I think it's because you you have a testament to the love in your relation with your partner and you don't need to show it to the world through a ring. That's my guess. The party in itself is the testament yeah. to your love, basically. Caroline, can you perhaps give a, an, an overview, if you were to sort of look almost from an outside perspective of Danish wedding, what, what are some things that, that must be there? Well, to roughly sketch traditional wedding, you would either have it in the townhouse, two thirds of Danes have their wedding at the townhouse, and one third uh, have their wedding at uh, a church. And then most people tend to have a large reception afterwards, where Everyone can join. And then you have a more private party often in the evening for invitees only. So in a sense, I think the structure is much the same as in the other parts of the world. But we also have some traditions that would seem very outlandish to a foreign wedding crasher in Denmark, definitely. Mm. In terms of the ceremony, I guess there's a few ways of doing it. But it's, it's the bride will wear a white dress, mm. will sort of walk down the aisle, there'll be people on both sides. What's the sort of background to that? Well, it has to do with fashion, really. For a long while, you would wear your black dress, the one dress that you had as a woman in Denmark until the 1930s or something. You would wear that for your wedding and you would wear that for any other party that you would go to. But in the 1950s, when we started having more money between us in Denmark, we would tend to see that people would spend more on weddings as well, and they would sort of emulate a bigger traditional Anglo-Saxon wedding. And at those weddings, you would wear a white dress. Mm. Okay, so the, the the white dress is a, a foreign import. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. So you said the old-fashioned dress would sometimes be black, which now we see as a sign of mourning, really. Was that the traditional attire? Because you obviously also have, for example, if you go to Norway, there they have their traditional clothes that they would be wearing. How does that connect with Danish tradition? Well, that's right. In Norway, they have the bunad, which is very special to them, which is a folk costume, basically. 
But what I'm talking about is the one dress that you would have as a woman for a long while. And that would be the attire that you would wear to any party. And you would wear it to other people's wedding as well. So I think it has to do with financial abilities, really. It wasn't that common to have more than one set of clothes. And you would you would just wear that to any party you would go to. You said now it's two-thirds town hall, one-third church. Yeah. Before the 1960s, you often would get married in a church. Mm-hmm. But this sort of revolt against traditionalism also resulted in many people wanting a secular wedding. Mm-hmm. And you would be able to have that at a, at a town hall, townhouse. But it's been an, 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 something you would be able to do as a Christian Dane since the 1850s, really. So we've had a long story of townhouse weddings. Okay. What's the, you know, in the Hollywood film, it's the big, do you take so-and-so? I do. What do you say in Denmark? Is there is there also that sort of momentous, like, yeah. I do, or whatever? The thing is, I have never been married, so I've, I've not <laughs> been through that part of the process. <laughs> I've, I've attended many parties, mm-hmm. but you do have something that you would say, and it would be more structured, I imagine, in the church. In mm. Married at First Sight, we don't marry the couples in churches. We don't put religion Mm-hmm. into it because we want everybody to feel included. And so it's always represented from the city hall. I can say I've been married in a church. So I was sort of the antidote of my parents who obviously didn't get married until later for very unromantic reasons. And uh, it's very simple. You say yes when you're asked whether you want to take this man as your husband basically as they say Mm. it's very exciting it's a beautiful ceremony and all of your most wonderful friends and special family they're all standing there it's a really beautiful moment i think and i really loved getting married to my husband Oh, great. <laughs> At least. Would have been kind of sad if you... <laughs> if I'd been crying all the way down the aisle. <laughs> I mean, in some cultures, it's not romantic. You know, they have to marry. Mm. You know, child marriage still exists. So so I have to say that, yes, it would have been sad if I'd cried down the aisle. But I suppose we're very lucky here. We're mm. very privileged mm. that actually we can choose who we want to marry. And I think there are some importance to that because... Throughout the whole process, it all comes down to finding your life witnesses. And you want to invite people that you want to witness this and also be witness to the fact that this is done out of love. And for a long while, the primary witnesses of our lives was our immediate family. But now it tends to be our friends as well. And this sort of also plays into the way weddings are being held today. You want to make a great party so that your friends can witness this part of your life and be witness to the fact that you're marrying out of love. You're completely right. That is the motivation is like, this is the excuse I can get for anyone, any friend or family to come and be in the same place. And there's only really one opportunity. Maybe I'm being a bit dramatic, but anyway, it's a good it's a good opportunity to, to get everyone that you, you want. And I think as well, for us, we did a, a humanist ceremony. So we got someone to be the non-religious priest and I think yeah part of the motivation was as you say that witnessing this display of love of Mm -hmm. us saying nice things to each other in front of everyone. And actually talking about traditions in relation to like after the church normally in the UK I know that it would normally be flower petals you throw at people but here it's actually rice Mm. Uh, Mm. so everyone's not rice anymore because that's so bad for the pigeons. (laughs) Oh really so that's changing is it? Because the old tradition which is 
yeah, if you even look 20 or 15 years back, then actually you would have uh, little bags of rice and then you'd throw yeah. that on the bride and groom as they come out the church. Mm. But how is it changing now, Anna? That's really interesting. Well, the last wedding I was at, we blew um, bubbles. Yeah, and <laughs> in some places they hand out breadcrumbs as well because the rice is very bad for the pigeons for and the, the birds. birds yeah. Yeah. So what they, do they eat them and then they get uh, swollen, constipated, yeah. or yeah. whatever? Yeah. 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 And they die. So oh yeah. no, yeah, goodness. So we have to quit that tradition. Yeah, yeah because I think that was something to do with that. Basically, it's about fertility, right? Um, growing and so on, and with the rice and having children, there was some kind of connection there. But I'm sure bubbles, since it's not all about having children anymore, yeah. then uh, bubbles. <laughs> will do these yeah, days. They, they've already had the kids, so the, yeah. the bubbles are actually really useful for the toddlers afterwards. Exactly. When they can exactly. hand them around. Yeah. yeah, they're brilliant yeah. entertainment uh, bubbles yeah. for yeah. children. Yeah. And actually, the rice can be very painful on your body and you can get them in your eyes. That's definitely happened to many brides I know. Really? That, uh, yeah, but particularly... You know, some people, they don't know how to throw them. So they yeah. might sort of throw them straight <laughs> at you and they're quite hard. But anyway, it's interesting yeah. with that new trend. I wondered if you also took note of the many speeches that are often at Danish wedding well, parties. Well, yeah, well, the, the speeches happened afterwards. So we sort of had the reception afterwards. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a drink, had some food, had a chat. Then there's the dinner. And this is where the traditions came out, I feel. Mm. This was sort of where it really stood out as to like lots of the special things that are happening in Denmark. And in order to help people who might be getting married in Denmark or attending a wedding, I think we need to go into that actually because yeah. there are a lot of traditions linked to both after the wedding ceremony and throughout the the meal, the wedding meal. Yeah. So I think that the first thing is in the planning. So already it became clear that something's different because there was a whole process around if you want to give a speech Now, in the UK weddings that I've been to, it's pretty formulaic. Father of the bride, father of the groom sometimes, bride or groom, best man. And so you kind of know going into it, you're going to hear these four speeches throughout the dinner. Great. Much more egalitarian in Denmark. Anyone can give a speech. But even then, you have to say say speech with uh, air quotes because it doesn't have to be a speech. It can be any sort of like little almost performance But that seems not unique to weddings. I've been to other big events where anyone can give this sort of speech. So I'm curious, like, any idea where that comes from? Is that just like a sense of everyone's equal and so everyone should be able to give a talk and it shouldn't be others? I think sociologically, at least in Denmark, we see that our friends tend to be more important to us than they used to. Our immediate circle, as I mentioned, used to be our family. So then naturally, their input to the married couple is just as important as the best man or the father of the bride and so on. So I think it has to do with the fact that we now tend to get to pick our own life witnesses Mm -hmm. and friends are increasingly becoming important to us. And of course, they should also be able to say something nice to you at your wedding. But it is kind of funny. (laughs) I never gave it any thought that we really like to perform for each other yeah. and mm. do acts yeah. <laughs> at weddings and other parties. You make a song, you make a dance, you make a quiz, a quiz. and that's just coming. But we just yeah. lo- love serenading each other, don't we? <laughs> yeah. This whole like making an ode to these people. Yeah. It's quite interesting because I was uh, just looking into wedding traditions in the past as well, researching for this show, and like you can see that Hans Christian Andersen in the old days would also be making these, it could be a poem, it could be a song, mm-hmm. 
it would be a piece of music that you would give almost as a present at the ceremony. So it's something that's been around for, for a long time because we are a very equal society. We are a welfare state where everyone is doing quite well. Then you can afford, you have the energy to actually celebrate each other. So yeah, making your own songs is a big thing. You'd write your own songs and then you'd basically connect it to a well-known hymn or piece of music. Yeah. So everyone in the party knows that melody and then you just the new wording basically so i took on this role in my wedding and uh, one of the things was i wrote a song but, and, but it's interesting you were saying a hymn because the well-known melody was a lion sleeps tonight from the lion king ah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the oh, that's brilliant. Um, so my wife and i met in kenya and so we have this like connection to it but the only reason that came about was i'd been to like a 60th dinner where someone had had like written a song, given out hymn sheets. And I was like, this is so great. Yeah. Mm. Like everyone is now involved. Everyone's sort of celebrating doing these things. But you kind of expect it to be entertaining, right? And not just be a long, boring speech. Well, I think in other parts of the world, friends are an important part of people's lives. And yet still the format of these days is still geared around the tradition of there are these you know, four spaces, maybe the maid of honour, the chief bridesmaid, will say a speech. Maybe the bride will give a speech, but it would be strange for sort of a cousin or a, other friends to be contributing. And yet in Denmark, it is evolved in such a way that that is acceptable. Yeah, and even if the event is guided by tradition, I think one of the ways we show our love to our friends and our family in Denmark is by being creative, by writing mm. your own songs, by being funny, by showing up with funny anecdotes about the person in question. Yeah, because in a lot of places, people comment, at least publicly, Danes are quite reserved, quite cold. You know, if they are being funny, it's sort of quite ironic. Um, <laughs> yeah, but as soon as you get into it and you, and you get to the place where you're invited to a family gathering or a friend gathering, then all of these wonderful characteristics come out of the, you know, the creativity, the love, all these things. And it's, it can be almost a slight shock to be, in some cases, you know, Danes seem very logical, very practical, very sort of all these things. And then you've got grown men coming up and like being in tears, professing their love for their fellow friend. If listening to our conversation with Anna and Caroline about Danish weddings has got you thinking, maybe I'd like to move to Denmark and get married here, then we can help you out with half of that. Whilst the Danish government hasn't yet started marrying off its citizens to internationals, there is a drive to get more international people to move here and work. Being a small country, there's only so much tech, engineering and other talent that's available, and lots of aspiring Danish companies are actively trying to hire internationals. These companies typically work in English, often are doing something interesting, and working for them means you get to live in one of the happiest countries in the world, and perhaps also meet your future partner. If listening to What the Denmark has piqued your interest in the country, then go check out the State of Denmark's website. There you can sign up for job alerts from Danish companies looking for internationals and read more about what your everyday life in Denmark could be like. Head to www.state-of-denmark.com forward slash WTD. I'll also post a link to that in the show notes. Now, back to the show. So, Caroline, at the beginning of the, the dinner, my wife and I did our little, hello everyone, thanks for coming. And then I, I had to say, to all the non-Danes, the, we're about half and half, to all the non-Danes in the room, the Danish people might start doing some weird things in the next few hours. Just, just play along. 
some of the weird things that they did were banging the cutlery, getting the forks and knives, bang, 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 bang. And then my wife and I hadn't had to stand up on the, on the chair and kiss each other. And then everyone started stamping their feet and we had to like go under the table and kiss each other there. What's going on there? Yeah, well, I think we have to remember that a wedding is a rites of passage as well. Mm-hmm. So you are constantly reminded of what you won't be able to do afterwards, basically. Okay. And you need to like formally engage in activities that sort of shows this. And one of the things that you could argue is related to this is the kissing. When when the bride leaves the room, everybody gets mm-hmm. up to kiss the groom. And if the, the guests start hitting the cutlery, they can ask you to kiss each other. And if they stamp their feet, they need to get under the table and kiss. Mm-hmm. It sort of both emphasized the love you have for each other and the public display of that love, going back to the witnessing of the actual love. And there we're very comfortable with it, actually. It's interesting. Now we've been talking about how, you know, we like to be a bit more private. and But here we love the display, mm-hmm. standing up on the chairs, then getting under the table, kissing. And then there's this whole beautiful, beautiful ceremony, as you mentioned, the bride leaves the room, mm-hmm. then yeah. all the ladies, Get all up. the women of the party go up and kiss, not on the mouth, but they all go up and kiss the groom. And the mm. same way with the yeah. with the bride. Mm. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced that yourself, but I've experienced exactly that very traditional wedding. Sam has obviously too. And I was very touched by all of these men queuing for me. (laughs) When my husband left the room, then they would stand there and there would be men in all shapes and sizes that I all cared about, that had been a part of my upbringing, Mm. that were my best friends. And they would all come up and give me some attention and, and a kiss on the cheek or on the forehead. And I can actually remember, I can see inside my head the queue. I can see my uncle coming to me and giving me a kiss and you know that was so special it is a bit like them handing you over mm. to the groom because now you it's a rite mm. of passage right you're moving into a next chapter of your life you've put into words something that i was feeling it's exactly that all, all these people who are cousins friends or partners etc and at no other point in my life would i go and give them a kiss or something but there was just that that little small moment of like yeah, I'm going to give you a kiss. And this is sort of a little moment of intimacy of, as you say, handing you over or handing you back to the woman who you just publicly declared your love for. But yeah. I also noticed from Merit at first sight that th- that is one of the things that the contestants seems most uncomfortable with. I mean, they seem very awkward and they don't want to get up and kiss publicly. So that public display is very mm. unpleasant yes. for them. Of course, because they they don't know each other but it's a such a firm uh, danish tradition mm. so everybody does it anyway but then they often make a deal with each other just to hug or mm. uh, look at each other and smile and that's it the thing we should say the, the dinner is long mm. it's like six hours mm, and then is. and then there's a three-hour dance floor yes three hour plus um weddings in the uk that i've been to recently normally the dance floor finishes at 11 or maybe midnight but you're still, you're still having dessert in Denmark. Why is it such a long dinner? Because of all the speeches <laughs> and the acts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Entertainment. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. so it many. Ends, yeah. It, yeah. it ends at, at midnight. Yeah. yeah, and we tend to see that in Denmark generally that all of our traditions are related to food and much more than in the rest of the world, basically. So it also plays into that. When you say related to food, as in the, the, the food 
the, the food dictates that this is now a long evening? Or, or? There's yeah. a lot of dishes, right? And yes. then you have to have the speeches. And when you have speeches and songs written yeah. for you, then you obviously don't eat. That would be very rude. You should not eat while people are speaking. So that obviously means that, you know, it takes much longer to consume your mm -hmm. meal because you have to take these breaks. I think it's worth mentioning that we normally also have a very special wedding cake in Denmark. We have a, what's called a kranzeke, mm. and you'd normally have that at the reception before you start the meal. And I actually have a really, really fun anecdote in connection with our wedding cake, because it's very important, like in many other countries, that the bride and groom cut it together. But after we got married, my husband and I, we basically went to have some wedding photos done. And when we came to cut the wedding cake, it was gone, because basically... There were so many internationals at our wedding that they didn't know that that was what <laughs> yeah. it was. So they had eaten everything. Wow. We never saw our wedding cake. <laughs> and obviously, they really enjoyed it, which is wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, so, but a kranzeke would be like, you translate it into a wreath cake. And it's a traditional cake that we also eat it for New Year's Eve. It's an important cake uh, made from almond paste that sort of travels through all our major parties and occasions and for a wedding you'd normally have a little sculpture of a bride and groom at the top of this cake apparently that was not enough signal to yeah. our guests <laughs> that, they, that they should wait for us to come yeah. back but anyways yeah, yeah. but it's that true well. it's, it's a cake that is associated with giving your good lucks and then also to luxury It's been something that we've been eating in Denmark for like 150 years. and The, the, the base of it is almonds. Like, aren't almonds grown in the US? Historically, where are the almonds coming yeah, from? Yeah, they were, they were being imported as well. And that's why it was historically associated with luxury mm -hmm. and good fortune. Yeah, which is why you'd have it at New Year's Eve, because yeah. it's sort of the sign of like good fortune in the new year. Exactly. And at weddings too. With the dinner, I said six till midnight. At midnight, there's a waltz. And everyone was, you know, it seemed very important. Or that before, we, midnight. Oh, no, Actually, before midnight, actually, it's very yeah. important. Mm. Otherwise, yeah. it's bad luck as far as I understand. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was very much geared around, like, we need to, like, get through these speeches because at 10 to midnight or quarter to midnight, you need to be doing the, the waltz. The wedding waltz. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah? What what what's going on there? First of all, it is nice to have a deadline to all these <laughs> speeches <laughs> and songs and so on. It could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. and everybody gets so drunk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can't eat, but you that can drink. <laughs> so just for a long while, we've had this traditional tune that you'd have to dance to your your walls to before midnight. Mm -hmm. And it's not. I think in many parts of the country, the couple get to pick their own special song. Mm -hmm. But in Denmark, you have this traditional tune from 1854 that you you would have to dance to. And then everybody at the party will gather around you and start clapping and moving in on you. Sort of also a symbol of the unity of the couple that has now been wed. This is the first dance. Yeah, it sort of yeah. opens up opens the dance floor. Yeah. 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 So just imagine you're you're dancing with your husband. This bridal waltz. Actually, it's fantastic composer called Nils W. Gill, who actually wrote this a famous ballet called Folkesound or a folk uh, tale. 
And it's a very beautiful piece of music. I don't know how long it's been around for, but that was the golden ages that was written in. And actually this dude, he knew Hans Christian Andersen. Mm-hmm. So quite an interesting story. Just imagine Hans Christian Andersen was at his wedding too. But anyway, so this we always use. Then we basically have to learn to dance it before. So actually there is some practice mm-hmm. to be done ahead of your wedding. I mean, we had to take dance classes, my husband and I. I think we took one or two classes, but I suppose you can find it on YouTube yeah, I say, these yeah, days. We, we were just on YouTube. Yeah, going around we didn't the, have YouTube back then. Going around, the, going around the living room. And so then hopefully you're not so drunk that you don't remember what to do. You stand there and then basically there's a big circle you mentioned as well Caroline of people around you and as you dance they move closer and closer around you until they're literally up against you and that's a point where they will pull the bride's veil they will pull it apart and then they will lift yeah, that, their uh, husband uh, up and this is the, the stage where the scissors come out Yes, and that, that was quite terrifying. That was quite scary. A, l- a bunch of drunk, drunk guys with guys with scissors, scissors, yeah, trying to cut your socks, yeah, off you. So what's going on what? with that? Yeah. So I, I guess it, it, it is a Danish tradition, and I think it's a unique Danish tradition as well. And I, I think the the formal explanation is it allows the wife to prove that she can sew basically and sew her husband's socks back oh, together. Really? Come on. But I think. <laughs> Personally, I think the real reason is is that we tend to see with these rites of passages that you tend to do irrevocable stuff to sort of... Is it a bit like the, the stamping on the plate in... Exactly. That, or, the, that sort or the throwing of glasses or yeah. the carrying uh, somebody across its threshold when entering a new building and yeah. stuff like that to I'm, sort yeah, of symbol good, that yeah. you are going to a new phase in life. Yeah. And so you cut the socks off. Now, I've actually been at my parents' wedding, right? And as a child, you don't obviously know the rituals and traditions. And I remember still trying to fend off the people from my father who was mm. suddenly attacked. I was terrified. <laughs> you see your father as a strong man, sort of who can yeah. cope with anything and who's going to defend you. And suddenly all the men, they lift him up. I remember this. Yeah. And they have and scissors. And they his yeah. feet with scissors. <laughs> yeah. And I had this really lovely little bridal bouquet and it was totally messed up afterwards because I'd obviously been trying to sort of get these men off my dad. But that's literally, it can be quite scary if you're a kid or if you don't know this tradition that the groom will be lifted up the floor, mm-hmm. then the guests will pull his sock a bit and then they'll cut the tip yeah. off, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the concern being, what's going to happen to your toe? Is exactly. yours still intact, Sam? Just about. I was just like <laughs> <laughs> clenching my feet. I was just like, no one's going near this, near my toes. It's horrible. Yeah. And then it's basically a dance floor from that, from then on, it seems. Do people loosen up a little bit? You're married at first sight sure, at that stage? Sure, sure. This stage, yeah. Actually, the waltz is such a sweet moment because they don't know each other really well and uh, they've both been practicing at home and then seeing them doing that together is always Mm. such a sweet moment and yeah then there's the party and then they loosen up and this year we decided that we didn't want them to sleep together on the Mm. as in sleep in the same bed exactly on the wedding night yes Because it's an overwhelming day and you've had something to drink and we wanted them to get a break and just exhale Mm -hmm. and relax a bit before the whole (laughs) thing continues. But they are um, loosening up and having really nice conversations and it's just really sweet to watch. Mm. And is it then a honeymoon? They date a bit before yeah, and then they go on a honeymoon. 
again, like the movie picture is the couple drive off from the wedding and they go off on their honeymoon like straight away. Is, is that something that's happened in Denmark too? Or is it always sort of, you basically go on holiday a few days later or a few weeks later? Both things can happen, actually. Mm. Many people tend to have a honeymoon in Denmark as well. But we also sort of sent the new couple off with the loud noises and cans being hung after the car and stuff like that. So we see that. Okay. But it's not as much as a tradition as the waltz, for instance, or the mm. cutting of the socks. I actually have one thing I'd like to mention, and that is uh, netmel. That oh, is yeah. something oh, yeah. that's really important yeah. in Denmark, and we it don't is. have it anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know, we love Hot to dogs. party in Denmark. So normally, when you've done all your dancing and so on, and you know, you're starting to be low on energy, of course, more food has to come. Yeah. And we call it natmel. And it will sort of uh, be a late-night snack, you yeah. can see. Yeah, and it's, it's, it is one of these things where in Denmark, there is like, a, there's a two-syllable word for it. Like, it's so necessary for the Danish language to have night food. <laughs> Whereas to do it in English, it's like, oh yeah, kind of like midnight snacks doesn't really do it. But like after dinner, like we kind of are a bit clumsy around this phrase because it's not really as, as ingrained in the culture. Whereas nutmel, it's just everyone knows Standard. it. Standard. Yeah. And in most parties you have it because of course you'll be partying through the night. <laughs> yeah. And then basically you need something to keep you going. So, and it can be, now you mentioned, Anna, you mentioned uh, hot dogs, but also it could be smurzboil, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of the old fashioned, like liver pate on rye bread and herring and that sort of thing. So whatever you do, it's expected that yeah. you have a spread at some point. And that will normally be at around to 1, 2 a.m., mm. I think. But in some parts of Jutland, it's also called um, skorp a mil. Just go go away food. Yeah. <laughs> and you need people to go home. Yeah. At a certain point, it's like, now you get your food, yes. go away. Yeah. You don't want to, them to leave on, on an empty stomach, so exactly. it's you're sort of taking care of your guests yeah. in a way, right? I suppose that's sort of, in England, you'd be serving tea after the yeah. meal and then it'd be like this well, is a tea and that means now it's time to wrap up and go home yeah but, but, but again the wedding normally finishes at 11.30 and so people will have had their dinner maybe they'll have some wedding cake afterwards a few little maybe they'll be like some cheese and crackers and stuff but you kind of don't need the sustenance whereas it's like a 13 hour event like you need to like have several meals to get through it you do yeah and like a thousand beers A couple other things just to note about Denmark is it's one of the easiest places in the world for internationals to get married. So I know a few people who neither of them have any real connection to Denmark, but they have come to Denmark to get married. Any sort of thoughts on that? It is way easier to get married in Denmark because we don't have a lot of bureaucracy surrounding marriage, mm. really. It was actually initiated by the right-wing parties in Denmark a few years ago okay. to make it easier to get married because they wanted to sort of enhance the tradition. Mm-hmm. And it also means that we now have sort of a marriage industry in Denmark where tourists come here to get married because it's recognized, the marriage is recognized in the rest of the world. Yeah. European Las Vegas is this little <laughs> island in, uh, in Denmark. Erhu. Yeah. Erhu. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's pretty close to Germany. So Germans go to Erhu to get married if it's too... Laborious. To, yeah, to, at their own country. Yeah. And they'll have a marriage certificate that's good for Good. the rest of Europe as well. Yeah. yeah. But it's easy to get divorced as well. And mm. true. Quick in, quick out. Yeah, how many is it that gets divorced? It was uh, 51% at mm. one point. Really? Mm. Yeah, which was kind of the kicker for married at first sight because the divorce rate was so high. 
Mm. And now it's 37 percent. Okay. So we don't get divorced as much anymore. In 2013, we had the opportunity to get a divorce online. And it basically, for a short while, increased the divorce rates in Denmark. Mm. And people started to be worried about that, but it sort of settled again around 38, 37% now. Do we know why so many people divorce here in comparison to other countries? I think it's because you're, you can live a perfectly normal life as a divorcee in Denmark. You don't rely on the financial support of your spouse. And actually, we have a long tradition of divorces in Denmark. So it's it's a history for us to, mm. to get divorced. But it's kind of interesting that we stay together now more than we've done. Yeah. I think the explanation is that we stay together out of romantic reasons and not for practical reasons. Is there any parting thought you might give our listeners other than to watch Married at First Sight? You should, of course, watch Married, Married at First, first Sight. <laughs> but I think, yeah, maybe in terms of if someone is coming to a Danish wedding for the first time, they're not too familiar with Danish culture, what's perhaps something which, yeah, you think they should prepare themselves for? The long duration, mm, yeah. <laughs> I would say. It's a mouth marathon. <laughs> It is. But then you can watch Married at First Sight and then you can see uh, marriages on sp- speed, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a feel of it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Anna Esko and Caroline Nybank. It's been really interesting to uh, hear all your insights on Danish weddings. Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Denmark. In the show notes, we have included various links to things we have spoken about. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then head to whatthedenmark.com and follow us on Instagram by searching for What the Denmark. A big thanks to Anna DeWolf for producing and Tevin Sudi for editing the show. As always, time for our Danish sign-off. Vi ses næste gang.